Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Two Guys and Some Horror. Uh, in this week's episode, we're picking a movie um, solely based on it's John Carpenter Month, and we really want to do um, some more guest appearances as well. So we have a guest this week. Uh, his name is Mimic. Um, Am I the whore this week? You're the whore this week. And uh, damn, that's good. Already off the bat. Um, but the pick of the week also is John Carpenter's Vampires from 1998. Um, so before we get into the hellos and how are yous, Mimic, why would you pick this film to be uh, your episode? Uh, so this is one of those movies my dad made me watch when I was a kid. And um, it was pretty cool when I was a kid. And I'm like, wow, vampires, James Wood overacting, James Woods overacting to shit, which he always does. And yeah, I I always remembered it fondly. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was one of those ones I always enjoyed. And John Carpenter obviously made a lot of great movies, a lot of them better than this one. Um, but just a fun movie I liked. And so when yeah, I saw it was on your list, Curtis, when you guys were first launching the pod. So I'm like, that's one I want to do. Awesome. James Woods is a great overactor. I, the king. I think he made this movie. He's actually really hard to work with, too. I've <laughs> Everybody complains about him, but apparently he and John Carpenter got along really well. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what I was reading, too. So They seem to be best buds somehow, some way. They worked well <laughs> together. Um, that's perfect. A, that's a regular theme with John Carpenter. He tends to just get along with most of the actors, and he tends to recast them in most of his films. This film, though, I think this is one of the very few movies where we don't see recurring cast members. Not as much, not as much, um, you know, but it didn't stop him from trying, right? He had a lot mm-hmm. of intentions when it came to his casting. Um, they just couldn't figure out contracts and other obligations for filming just didn't allow them to line up. He would have loved Kurt Russell to be the main actor. Um, he, there's a few, I've read so much yeah. on that. Like He said that Bruce Campbell was his number one choice, and then he changed his mind later on. Well, Campbell was he the choice that, for Montoya. Like Alec Baldwin. Uh, he would have loved Montoya to be uh, Bruce Campbell, but Bruce Campbell turned the option down, um, which then fell to Alec Baldwin, but Alec Baldwin had a contract with somebody else um, for another film already. So then Alec was like, hey, just use my brother. Um, and John Carpenter, without seeing any of his previous work or any real work at all from him, just had him do a reading and ended up sticking with him. And I'm really happy that he did. I thought uh, Daniel Daniel Baldwin, right? Um, yeah. Did a really good job, in my opinion, for this character. Right. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think Mimic yeah. might have some more opinion as we get deeper into this movie about how he feels now since he... Is this your second watch ever, or how many like times have you really seen the movie? So I saw it once when I was a kid. Once like it was on TV, just like watching it. I think it was on like the Stars or something. Um, just kind of like loosely watching it, and then I watched it, you know, twice in the last couple of weeks, just to you know see it to take notes and stuff, and then get a refresher last night. We also pushed um, you off for a week, unfortunately. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, so so I mean, that made you have to watch it again, right? <laughs> yeah, just to you know, make sure I didn't miss anything. Nice. Um, okay, so some quick fun feedback about the movie, uh, and then we'll get a little bit more into the hellos, highs, how are yous. But uh, director, obviously John Carpenter. Uh, the writer for this was, uh, it's credited to John Stakely, who wrote the novel. So there's actually a book called Vampires with a dollar sign for the S. Um, Clark, did you have a chance to read it by today? I know you wanted to try. 
No, I actually haven't, but I, I it's on my list. Okay. Um, so that that's something I'm actually thinking about doing as well, just for fun, because I personally loved this film as a kid and still love it today. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, but the other writer for the screenplay was John, uh, Don Jacoby, and uncredited is John Carpenter, because they actually worked together a lot to change the novel to a screenplay and kind of rework a lot of the things that we got out of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. The budget was $20 million. Um, that's always estimate uh, estimated. And then the body count was around 45. Does anybody else have any numbers for the kill count total? There was definitely a lot because they kill an entire. Well, we we actually don't have a a firm body count because of how many people in that town. Yeah, but on screen and off screen mention that that seems like a good estimate. We'll get yeah, and we'll get to that town that you're talking about at the end of our synopsis. Um, but yeah, so before we dive into the movie synopsis and whatnot, how you doing this week, Clark? How how you feeling, buddy? I I feel okay, man. Feel okay. My knees healing. You know. I'm wearing pants again. People aren't staring at me on the street. It's it's going all right. Mimic, how's your week going? Week's going good. It's been uh, snowing here for the last two days, which is obviously annoying. I hate the snow. It can really um, kill the mood. It really can. Uh, but I'm hanging in there. Good. Always glad to hear it. I really love watching your stream. We'll talk more about that at the end as well, uh, mm-hmm. if you want to. Uh, but yeah, I enjoy hanging out with you and, and watching you play games and, and edit your videos. I think I like your edit streams a little bit more than your game streams. Lately. I like the edit streams too, but we'll talk about that all at the end. Hell yeah. Uh, and then, I don't know, for myself, I'm, I'm a little down. Uh, if I sound sick, I apologize. If I don't have as much energy as I normally do, I apologize. I'm currently battling a double ear infection in my left ear, which these guys can see. Uh, I do not have my headset on because if I did, I'd be in pain, miserable, miserable pain. As Mimic pops his ears and I'm jealous because I wish I could pop my ears. <laughs> um, cool. Well, let's get into the synopsis. So um, who wants to kick us off with the beautiful, beautiful start to this Western film? So, Oh, wait, Clark's so quick, quick review. <laughs> real quick, this movie is is a western film like this is very much there's like a sheriff in town he buys whores for for these outlaws and these guys are they're they're bounty hunters essentially and they're hunting Mm -hmm. uh their bounty is vampires and very quickly like if you watch this as a western it'll just make it'll just kind of fit perfectly together because there's like a old style jail like a town of like 30 people it's definitely a cowboy film yeah for sure for sure i mean just to get us started off here is like you're you're to go on the western theme you're scrawling over you know new mexico i think is where they were Mm -hmm. landscapes you know just going over deserts and then you go pop james woods glasses or in the binoculars i think at the start i mean just it's a cool little intro kind of sets the sets the tone of it being like a western which like when i was a kid i didn't really think of it like that but going back and seeing it now is like oh this is a cowboy movie like you said and like these guys are hunting the big bad villains as cowboys or whatever i mean that's it's definitely like a better way to look at it than like a standard horror film i'd say but like i mean still good and fun so it's definitely not a scary movie it is it is horror but it's not a 
not by any any stretch of the imagination something that that would make me as an adult a fear of vampires but oof, like when you, when this movie starts out they're like they go into this kind of derelict house and they're like oh we got there's a nest here we got to find the master to kill them all and they go inside and they they they're like they they saw through like a little hole through the door and like the guy's like all right boss let me he's like hold on it's my turn and james wood does the <laughs> james woods takes off his sunglasses looks inside unlocks the door like like he's in a rush and like that movie or that that moment sets the tone sorry not that movie sets the tone for like the entire film yeah so that's definitely like one of my that intro where he sticks his hand th- through the hole like that's one of my favorite sequences in the whole movie like because that's just like you can see i mean obviously james wood is coming off as leader of this vampire slaying team Are you laughing at me um <laughs> yeah like, sorry it's just he puts his hand through the hole it's made me giggle a little bit. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Can we call him by his name, by the way? I, I He's James Woods. That's Jack I get Crow. That. But it's Jack Crow, which I have to say is probably one of my favorite character names in any horror movie we've seen so far. All of John Carpenter's strong. main characters have names like that, though. All of them. And like, Nada? All the side characters really? We'll like, get there eventually next week. But well, Nada? there's Boone, Boone uh, Bambi. <laughs> I don't know. Jack Crow. Like, Jack Crow. That... Jack Reddy. McCready, what are you, McCready? you son of a gun! Oh man, I I wanted to roast you for that so bad, but honestly, I don't. It's McCready. It really is. Like if you read it the way it's written, it's McCready. It's McCready. Uh, I know it's McCready. I know it's McCready. It's McCready. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so we get one of the first lines where uh, in this scene when he's doing all this, um, you could tell he's he's obviously the strong. Uh, a male character in the movie. Uh, his quote right off the bat is just strictly by the books today, boys. Like I get, I he's setting this like we we're we're going in here. We're gonna clean house. This is it. This is what we're doing. Um, Paints himself as the leader very well. Yeah, yeah, he fills that role. I don't think I don't think he could have cast that that role better. Personally, I think uh, James Woods is a great person to have for that role. I. I, I think Kurt Russell may may have made it a bit more interesting, but this was fine. And when the the first goon kind of shows up at this point, when they're inside the house, mm-hmm. and, or they call the the baby vampires goons. That was this is pretty friggin' awesome because they uh, what's his face Montoya, who is played by Daniel Baldwin. Uh, he's kind of the romantic hero of the film. He's in outside by the by the truck, and they have one of those uh, tow. Um. Toe wench. Yes, a wench. And they shoot the vampire with the arrow and it pulls it wenches the vampire outside, which the vampire immediately catches fire. And I thought I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm invested in this film already. Because this mm-hmm. is completely unique. I haven't seen anything like this before. Yeah. I really like yeah, the, no. the two ideas in this movie that I think are my favorite, right? is the set they always they have just the best sets like when you walk into this vampire nest it looks like something that you'd want to see at a haunted house like when you go in october and you're going to a haunt this is the kind of set that i'd want to see so that's the first thing that i really enjoy about this movie is every set everything that you're in is is pretty spooky and then the second thing is i love the idea of vampire hunters i don't know why but it just it's really exciting like the idea of these guys going out and actually attacking the attackers, 
right? Um, like a modern Van Helsing is what I consider Jack Crow to be, which is really cool. So, so they no, kill I the mean, first vampire. Oh, go ahead, Mimic. Yeah. I was just going to say that whole sequence up to the first goon kill is like, might be the most memorable in the whole movie because it's, I mean, you have this team and they're like stalking their way through the house and just like going through all these different set pieces. It's creepy. And then the one guy has the body fall on him and it's like, everybody's like freaking out really tense. Yeah. And then once the, once the vamp, the first goon hits, like that's when the pace just shifts and that whole like first house is such like an awesome action packed energy filled sequence. It's like really, really good. And then just, I mean, the first kill, boom, shoots a crossbow, rips her out of house. Jack Crow blasts her hand off because she's grabbing onto the pole. I love that like effect, just how good that looks. And then bah, bursts into flames. Not awesome looking flames, but I mean, still fun. What do you mean not awesome looking flames? Like I have a, I have a note later on because when they kill, we'll get there, but when they kill a master, mm-hmm. like the colors change because the more powerful of a vampire, the more chemistry they decided to use in their science experiment of burning different periodic elements. So it reminds me of science class back in like high school when you would build or burn different uh, periodic elements and you'd get different colors based on what you were burning. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I well, thought the, I thought quoting, the fire was awesome. They keep like inciting or repeating like rules at this point too in the film. It's like rule yeah. number 11 or I, I don't remember the numbers of the rules, but this whole sequence was, was meant to paint these vampire hunters as good at what they do like yeah they, they yep. did a great job because they kill like nine vampires they have all their mm-hmm. skulls mounted on the truck on the jeep at this point and they're like oh not and then uh i think they get the names wrong in the script here i think the character's name was uh it, it was like i don't think it was bambi but he like slaps one of the characters in the back and calls him boone i'm like isn't boone the other guy so the, yeah, the, there are a couple of gaps here and there in the script yeah. but I didn't yeah. notice that, so thank you for pointing yeah, that out. That's good to know. Um, so after they yeah, take out it... this nest, they don't find what they're looking for. They, uh, they're looking for a master. They're looking for the one, the guy who started this nest, right? They always refer mm-hmm. to it as the master. Um, and they go back to the hotel. They realize they Before didn't... we get there, okay. we, can't, we can't gloss over when they kill that first vampire uh montoya danny baldwin picks up the head or the skull on his knife and he just goes like nothing like a little head eh padre (laughs) thank you uh, for keeping the quotes in yep he's got a lot of good good dick jokes in the whole movie and it's whenever james woods makes a wood joke it's like (laughs) james woods is giving everybody wood it's good (laughs) i really like this is a callback by the way okay So there's there's a reason why he he mentioned that because later on in the film he brings up more more penis jokes. So I'm oh, glad he yeah, kind of pulled that out. I would say his uh, jokes no get bigger. Intended. I mean, better as we go on. All right, um, that pun was intended. <laughs> I I think uh, my favorite quote though from the intro is when they first find that uh, poor human that's dried out and bled dry or whatever, mm-hmm. and Montoya is outside trying to get more information from them. Like, hey, what's going on in there? Give me some updates. And they explain, hey, we just, it's a dead one. She's dry or whatever. And they go, well, yeah, we'll save her for you, Montoya. That is some heavy <laughs> foreshadowing, dude, later on about saving a uh, vampire ass dead girl, in my opinion, for Montoya. Yeah, they saved the goon for him. Yeah. They definitely, well, like, because they wanted him to wench her out. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but you but, know what I'm talking about. We'll get there. No, I definitely think it it foreshadows Bontoya as horny boy. Mm. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, he strips Kachina you know, and butt naked. I didn't perceive him that way. I did, like, I was kind of, I don't know. The whole, eh, we'll talk about it later. I, yeah, I, we'll love Mon- I, I love all these characters, so I really can't talk too poorly about them. I don't think he was overly sex-crazed. Uh, in fact, I feel like I we either. barely get any sex craze out of him realistically, other than the jokes Ugh, that he makes, the, right? The kiss, his kiss just grossed me out. Like, is, that scene's gross. But this is weird. <laughs> I have a lot of, I have a few notes about sex craze Danny Baldwin. I just heard Paige's right. turn, Moving. and I saw a paper. <laughs> Moving to the hotel. Like, you have so many jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Moving to the hotel, like, the sheriff, we, the sheriff shows up. He's like, oh, I, I spent so much time getting all these whores, buying out all these whores for them and all this alcohol. And, like, before this scene, we see what kind of what we assume is the audience, like the master coming out from, from under the ground, digging his way mm-hmm. out. And they're like, James Wood's bothered. His character, Jack Crow's bothered by this vampire not being there. There's, like, usually yeah. the master. It wasn't by the books. It, it was mm-hmm. throwing him off. And, like, the rules are changing in his mind. But all his men are getting drunk, and they're all partying. And in my mind, it's kind of like, isn't this kind of the worst time to be doing this? And they're all they're all sleeping with whores. They're all a bunch of naked women running around. They're well, all they're drunk. talking about what they do for a living. They're like, we kill vampires. No, really, really. Listen, you whores, we really do. And I'm like, why are you <laughs> telling them that? Like, why would you let them in on any bit of information about what you do in real like for work? just they're just do what you're supposed to do what you want to do with them and get out of there like oh man so much time is wasted yeah i guess don't you think that would scare them more than impress them Uh, they were already paid for at that point as soon as the master shows up well jack crow the main (laughs) character meets cheryl lee who's the you could tell she's the heroine of the film just by looking at her she's the most attractive of all the hookers she's cleaned up she's got I don't know for whatever reason um she he she's like i'll meet you in your room the first uh the first person to meet the the head master vampire who at this point we don't know his name is her and mm-hmm. it's like he's he's uh performing fellatio on her and biting her at the same time yeah i don't really i don't think that. he has to so here, here's my take on it okay because i knew we'd talk about this scene and it does appear that he's performing fellatio. But I think vampires are so... In in historical writings about vampires and fictional writing, they're just meant to be these seducers and these sexual beings that vampires just give off this, like, overly... I just... I don't know. I'm just exploding with sexualness. Like, he just had to bite her inner thigh, and he knows right where to bite her, that it just sends her into orgasmic heaven. I don't think he would have performed proper fellatio. Uh, I just think he had to bite her in the right spot, and that's all it took. That's Regardless a, of it being proper or not, that's ten-year-old Curtis. A sexual right there. Scene. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying he actually filleted her, but like yeah. it definitely looked like he was filleting her. That's all it takes. And I, I think that was what they were going for. To be yeah. honest, I definitely think they were trying to portray. Okay, now they're they're getting into the super sexy times, and he's giving her pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I hope she got all she was worth from from him. I mean, who who was it? The how did so? 
the master shows up at the party. He breaks in. Let's let's jump into that because this scene is probably the the master showing that he is the most badass character of the film. Right. Well, and to be fair, it's our only real gore of the movie. So if you're like well, any any of the gore actually in the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, his hands. Well, no, there's more gore later on. Just not not as much. He's just like shoving his hand through people. He's just kind of like, ripping people in half, putting his hand through, karate chopping them. Yeah, yeah, so I think of of all the scenes, this was the one that stuck with me most from like when I was a kid. Um, obviously, because you just have lots of hooker titties, but like, um, hey, don't leave out the, the butt first... cheeks, by the way. Whew. Yeah, that, that butt cleavage. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah, a lot of butt cleavage, a lot of just just like hookers that are way too good looking for small town New Mexico. Um, and just, I mean, absolute brutality from, from Vela. And, you, you know, we talked about before how that first scene establishes that these guys is good as what good at what they do, right? They're master vampire killers, you know, killed nine vampires without losing anybody. And then he just tears through all of them, especially Batman cop or the guy from the, the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. Just, it's like, oh, going to go on a beer run? Psych. That was Bambi. You're in half. <laughs> So yeah, that man has a pretty door. good career, by the way. I mean, he's been in a lot of movies. Um, he was also the other movie that comes to mind is uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. He's mm-hmm. the cop who gets the rat sat on his stomach with the metal yep. tin. They heat it up so the rat starts digging into his stomach. Um, that's a that's a good scene. That's a great scene. Uh, and anyway, so he's he's had a great career. I'm glad that he's had a good career. I, I like him as an actor. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Valak tears through these guys and guy, guys and gals. Um, but you know who? So one gentleman gets hit. It's the Native American character. And I don't know what his name is in the movie because I didn't spend the time to go read through the credits. But it's it's the Indian guy. And he gets hit and thrown across the room. Valak goes and continues to slaughter people. And this tough motherfucker comes back for round two with Valak. I think he's the only one who got hit by him and came back for a round two, which was pretty cool. And they showcase him as kind of like one of the older, more uh, uh, experienced members at the beginning. Yeah, but definitely. No, they, they all died. They're all drunk. They're all off guard. If they weren't, who knows how things would have turned out. And this vampire is apparently, he's stronger than any master they've faced before. He's yeah, it's a super rule. strong. He's flying. He's able. He like he. I don't know if he like jumps really far or if he flies, but Jack Crow, uh, Montoya, the two two main characters, the two leads, they grab Cheryl Lee, uh, or Katrina, as her name in the film is, and they're like, we can use her to to get get back at him. Everybody's dead. They take him. They drive off, and that's when the kind of chase ensues. And he's showing that he can fly, and they shoot him in the, the head, and they they get away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they have the rule where you can't they... take down a master at night, right? Like that's a big rule right. that they all understand. So even to your point, even if they weren't all drunk, uh, hopped up on hookers and cocaine and whatever, they didn't have a chance. I mean, he came at night. He waited. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. If they were ready for him. I don't think it would have turned out the way it did. To be frank. I feel like they could have won, but they were definitely like set up in some way, shape, or form because he, he the the lead Valak knows uh well the the master's vampire's name's Valak. He knew uh 
he knew Jack Jack Crow's name. He he meant even mentioned it when he saw him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like that even set Jack Crow off. So during this conversation between him and Daniel Baldwin's character uh, Montoya, he's like, hey, he knew my name. We were set up. Blah blah blah. So they they cut off. They decapitate the heads. I don't know if the the decapitation happens before or after they meet with the uh, the church. Uh, before, but he has to bury everyone before. Yeah. So so he he drops. Uh, or they crash the car and walk to a gas station or something. Daniel Baldwin uh, Montoya steals some poor guy's car and they drive back to the hotel. Guy with Buick and it's a Camaro. (laughs) He's credited as Guy with Buick and the car is a Camaro. (laughs) Talk about gas with this movie. Jeez. That's pretty funny. Then then they go back to the, the motel, get their their jeep and the the like raid van i guess right and then that's when jack crow tells tells montoya to take the girl to wherever whatever the town was it's not important and um then says i gotta take care of all these bodies um yeah he's got to do it by by um so basically this is another one of their rules as hunters um because if you don't Basically, the, the 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 vampire lore here in this movie is if you don't take care of those bodies, if you don't decapitate them, bury the bodies and separate the head from them, they will come back as vampires. So right. that gives us a lot of foreshadowing or, or we could put the pieces together when it comes to the small town later to give us kind of a better number of what's going on. But um, basically, Jack Crow has to get his ass back to the hotel, um, the motel where they were bury those bodies There's, before his buddies come back as vampires. They said it was like a 48 hour uh, time frame before somebody like completely turns. Yeah. Was when they're bit, that was there when they're bit. I don't know about when they're killed. I don't know if there's some kind of difference there. I mean, how the hell is what's his face going to come back from being split right down the middle? Yeah. Well, I had to mention like vampires don't, we don't know enough about vampires because they stay hidden. They don't, they won't let us know. Well, and Jack yeah. talks about later on about his dad turning. It took five days for his dad to turn. Right. And he um, hid it from his family. Yeah. So 48 hours is there. I think there. That's when it. That's when the turning probably starts is 48 hours. And then it's probably you're fully turned maybe after five. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it works. Nobody knows. This is this is the problem with vampires. All right. So just to help us but, keep moving forward. We, Why didn't he the... cut the hookers' heads off? He left he, the hookers' heads on. He he lit the building on fire, and they were essentially cremated. But then the news report later on, I know we, we want to move on, but they're like, 19 bodies were decapitated, and they're they're buried far away. And it's like, he only did that to his team. But yeah. there's another gaffe in the film. But going back to the church, we're introduced to the cardinal, who is a cardinal of the Catholic Church, and we find out, we discover that Jack Crow is working for the church. He gets funding from the church to be a slayer. Uh, we're also introduced to another one of the the priests who's kind of like this this weak guy who's always like, language, please. I think like Padre Adam, Adam. was. Uh, yeah. Padre, but he's, we c- keeps calling him Pad- Padre, but like Adam, yeah. And we, if we find out that this vampire's name is Valak. Um, this is where we get our exposition, right? Mm-hmm. Right, we get our we get our exposition, and Jack and the Cardinal have have like a falling out, not a falling out, but like a fight, a little argument, and then Adam 
Padre, Adam, I'm just going to call him Padre from now on, goes with Jack and they have like a bunch of more boner jokes. Like, he's like, when you, when I punched it, did it give you wood? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So we, you got to give the quote, you got to give the quote its full, full due. You can't, can't half ass it. I mean, can I ask you something, Padre? When I was kicking your ass back there, you get a little wood? Thank you. Thank you. Mahogany? No, that's later. Mahogany, that's later. Says, uh, no, he says mahogany. And, no, he says mahogany, and then he okay. says another thing. He, he says the three things. He says mahogany and then uh, obsidian. Obsidian? <laughs> he says obsidian. I'm pretty sure. No, ebony. 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 He says yeah, ebony. ebony. Yeah. yeah, ebony, not obsidian. Because that'll be a little bit too hard for him, but uh, it's almost yeah. unbreakable. Um, yeah, need a diamond pick for that, oh, or or a wither. <laughs> uh, Minecraft. All right. Mm-hmm. So Katrina. And you also. Oh, Go ahead. While, while um, Jack Crow and and Padre are talking in the van, you also get a little exposition that um, Balak is or Valek is looking for uh, the Black Cross, like a, something that could theoretically make vampires walk in daylight. So that's where we get kind of like finish off that this is what bad guys looking for after they talk about the map and some stuff. Um, but then, yeah, we're back at the hotel where Curtis was going to go. So Katrina <clears throat> is beginning to... I'm just going to fast forward us a little bit. Uh, but Katrina starts to get her visions. Um, she doesn't really know what's going on. She doesn't understand it. But uh, Montoya's there with her. And he's got her tied down to that bed. Butt ass naked. Face down. And she screams. And he's like... He's... I don't like him, I don't like him as a character. Because he seems like the abusive boyfriend. And like she bites him. Like eventually it's at one point. And then mm-hmm. he starts hitting her. Why'd you bite me? He starts beating the crap out of her, and it's like, all right. So dude. he also and doesn't. At this cons- point, he's in love with her after he beats the crap out of her. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right. So not to ble- breeze through this, but he doesn't think of her as a human. I mean, she's she's a vampire. He he thinks of her as as like an animal at this point, something that they should have killed and not kept alive. Mm-hmm. Not when he hits her. That's when he sympathized with her. Like that's when he has started to fall for her, and then he hits her. That's the point where he is the abusive boyfriend character. Because he's already there. He's already at the point where he's attracted to this woman. He's showcased it. We're going and he to just hits her. we're going to agree to disagree. I don't feel like he has any feelings for her until after she bites him, because no, that I is also something that is known in vampire lore, where you kind of become attached to your to your to your vampire turn, like whoever turns you. That's the master, though, and she was not a master. There was no mention of that in the lore whatsoever. That seems like headcanon to me. Okay. I'm going to argue that. Okay. I'll, I'll take that. I mean, I'll accept that. But even before, like, romantic attraction, like, he strips her naked, chains her to a bed, and, like, doesn't necessarily get on top of her, but gets about as close to mounting her as you can. As he could like, in, oh, yeah. <laughs> in this film. Yeah. Right. So, like, and I, we've talked about it before. She's obviously like a good-looking. Uh, she was named to a list of top fifty sexiest vampire characters, like ever. Yep. I mean, so like obviously she's the she's the heroine. Uh, Montoya like gets on top of her, and like that's where I think that you know my horny boy comment from earlier. Like he strips her down. You know who knows what he did when she was passed out. And yeah, and you don't need to strip her down. I mean, I yeah. agree a hundred percent here. But this is that's still. 
him stripping her down is long before she bites him, long before he hits her. I don't know his theory behind stripping her down. That doesn't make much sense other than getting her out of her bloody rags, I guess. But there's safer ways to do it than stripping her down. Um, Mm -hmm. So so that doesn't make sense at all. But the whole love thing, I don't know when he fell for her. But here's the deal. We know he falls for her. Um, Which was weird, really. But anyhow... Aside from from us arguing on that, we don't. I. Uh, Valak has gotten the cross at this point. She's connected to him. She sees it. She points it out. He's got it. Right. So. Valak kidnaps a priest, and that's when like her first vision is. Uh, the process of him kidnapping the one priest, and um, Crow and. Padre are investigating, trying to find out what happened. That's when they talk to, I think they get confirmation from the Cardinal at one point. Um, But we see the scene through uh, Katrina's vision, Katrina's eyes again, that uh, the priest points out where this cross that Valak's been searching for is hiding. And then um, Valak and seven other masters, I think, go and wipe through a they savagely tear through a monastery. Yeah. I just want to, oh man, just the thought of like, I try to count how many different priests I saw get thrown about. I counted 16. I'm pretty yeah, sure there was lot. more than that. They said, uh, so when they get, so like they find out all this information, like between Jack Crow and uh, Padre, like there's a bunch of fighting and then he's like, mm-hmm. I'm starting to like you, but I'm going to shoot you in the crotch or something. So he's, like, cutting him. He's beating the crap out of him to get him to actually talk, to get information. And apparently Valak was created by the Catholic Church. Yep. Right. This is where like, I, Valak's backstory starts to come in. He was a former Catholic priest, turned against the church, led an uprising. The church thought he was possessed and tried to exorcise him. Exorcism didn't quite work, turned him into a vampire, but the ritual wasn't complete. This cross that he's been searching for, the cross of Berseri or whatever, I thought they were saying Versailles wrong for a while, but it's something else. So um, they need the cross to finish that ritual that was exercising him. Mm-hmm. That way, Valak would no longer be vulnerable to the daylight. And then we see Valak get this cross. That's, you know, bad things are happening. Sounds very similar to another movie from 98. Um, oh, yeah, Blade. Blade. <laughs> Which An one? Ancient... The second one? The third no, one? the first one. Oh, so right. so you, you have Deacon Frost, who's trying to become a daywalker mm-hmm. like Blade uh, and has to perform an ancient ritual with other uh, powerful vampires around him. Anyways, um, we don't have to break apart Blade right now. But uh, I just found that very interesting. I was reading online about uh, this movie, and there was comments constantly going back and forth about how these movies came out the same year, have very mm-hmm. similar stories, uh, but one is a Western and one is more of a, um urban telling of vampire mm-hmm. slaying, which I thought was... I love Blade. I think it's a great movie. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it appealed to everybody, not just urban people but whatever i guess that's how some people perceive it yeah yeah no no it's interesting i didn't, I didn't even think about that 
Between Blade until you mentioned it. Well, there you go, Clark. Yeah. Fun fact for you. This <laughs> is a fun fact. I think Padre was actually in both movies, too. I think what? I saw that somewhere. That's yeah. awesome. We'll, we'll have to double check that said. afterwards. That's cool. I feel like Padre is my favorite character in this film, and we'll, we'll get to that, get to why later. <laughs> we'll get to favorite characters, yeah. So I, here's where the real Western, I think, begins for everyone. Well, when they get, get to, to the, Santiago. Yeah. Um, yep. and, and we get some more freely given information about the town um, because Father knows roughly it was a small town of about 30 people, he says. He said 30, maybe more, probably 30, more. Maybe more. Yeah. And he said he, how many of them have turned. He's like probably half. So like, we think there's as 15 to as many as 30 vampires. Yeah. That were created. <clears throat> mm -hmm. They notice that they're probably all inside of the old prison or the old jail, right? Mm -hmm. Man, this movie, this is where the movie gets a little um, redundant. It just, it repeats kind of the intro to the film. Um, but this time, things don't really go the way as it was planned because it's two people, three, I guess, doing... And they're all masters. Well, it's three, sorry, it's three hunters doing what nine hunters were doing in the first in the first 15 minutes of the movie, right? Well, two hunters and, and a priest. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why I gave three as kind of like a, eh, he was trying to help. Um, well, even mention it, he's like, we got three hunters... And then Daniel Baldwin's like, we have two hunters. We have two hunters. <laughs> yep. Um, but but I think you know he does good. He you know I don't know. I, I'm I'm torn on this because Montoya goes in with them. They all three go in initially, mm -hmm. right? And they have that first scuffle, and Montoya takes one. How do you like your steak, Montoya bitch? And, and then <laughs> I'm. I'm noticing a trend here in all of Jack or John Carpenter's films. There's usually a fist fight between the heroes. Oh. Yeah, very, very much so. <laughs> and going back into the uh, the jail, which is the best constructed building, they go in there to kill the vampires. They mess it up. They kill a couple of the masters, but they're about to leave. And who's the bait? Uh, I believe Katrina is because they want. They want to utilize her to get to to get to Valak. So Padre is the bait. <laughs> oh, so right, I, right. Before before where Clark is, right? They they lure out two masters, I think, and I think they kill two goons like at right. the very start. And then Padre, or they're talking about. Um, I think all the masters are on like the second level, and they have to go up this elevator. And they're talking about which one of Jack Montoya and Padre has to lure them out. Yes, and. Uh, so they have to the tow, elevator. yeah. They have to tow the vampires out with the car, and Montoya and Jack are like, "Well, which one of us is going to do what in the elevator?" And Padre will drive, and Padre's like, "I can't drive. I never learned." It's like this is a fight or flight situation. You can't just figure out. I think it, I think the jeep was a stick, but like, you can't just figure out. This is what I have to do can't real quick and throw it in reverse. You can't just put it in R. He, he like, knew that's how to go in reverse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't. So like during the winching scene, like one of the masters just breaks the winch, like that yeah. gets taken out very quickly. Like they yep. no longer. He's like, why didn't you tell me they could do that? I didn't. I didn't know they could do that. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know they could I do that. Know. My favorite quote like... from this scene is, "Okay, Padre, lather your ass or lather 
lather you up and shave your ass, you're the bait. Like, that's my, I don't know why, but that was the quote that stuck out to me best during this scene. Whenever Padre's, like, gearing up, you know, he's got the neck protector on, mm-hmm. they're, they're sending him up. He's the one who's going to help lure the, the vamps from the second level uh, into the elevator to bring them up so that way they could, you know, hopefully stake them and bring them out to, to the side. You got to be fleet of foot, Padre. Fleet of I foot. can do that. You sure you can? I played soccer. Soccer? <laughs> And then, and then he's like, I think I'm going to, uh, Jack, uh, Jack Crow's like, I think I'm going to go. And then Padre's like, no, no, I got this. I got this. It's like, no, nah, soccer does. doesn't count, apparently. It is Padre's kind of his fault that, but at the same time, like time's not on their side and the sun's setting. So it's time for them to leave. Right. Yeah. And by the time they leave, Valak's already on their ass. Everybody gets separated. Mm-hmm. Jack gets kidnapped. And Padre ducks into a saloon. Yeah, Padre's hiding in a, a cafe or yeah, saloon, and uh, Montoya and Katrina escape in the jeep. jeep. Right. So after, so this is, where is this when Jack is. wakes up? Is that yeah, where you want to so, go to next? Okay. Yeah. So like Jack, Jack doesn't know why Val Valak isn't killing him, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I guess, so, to be fair, so Montoya drives away with Katrina. As as Jack's getting kidnapped, Padre jumps into mm-hmm. that saloon or cafe or whatever. Montoya drives away with Katrina, and before it fades to Jack waking up, uh, Katrina bites into Montoya's neck. And this is it's where... Be- it's be- That happens after, I think, Jack wakes so up. So I think, I think what happens is Valak kicks Jack's ass, yeah, yeah, and Jack's happens. like, why aren't you just killing me? Then... Poof, Cardinal. we get our big twist of the movie. Cardinal Abel, I think his name was, who was explaining all this stuff to Jack at the very beginning, is working with Valak um, to to help him complete this ritual. Then fades to black, and then it goes right. to the Jeep where um, Montoya and Katrina are driving. Katrina, this is day four or five at this point. She's turned, bites into Montoya's neck, um, bleeding him presumably dead for a second (laughs) yeah yeah this this part of the movie is kind of a bit goofy to me because well we find out like you said like cardinal alba he's he essentially says oh i want to be immortal i don't want to die i'm old Mm -hmm. and this is this is the deal we made when he's scared he doesn't know what's going to happen after he doesn't know if there's a god like he basically all this religion that he's been following his entire life he he now this you know he doesn't trust it because he doesn't he's, yeah, no he's never witnessed any blessings he's never seen any miracles he's like casting it all out he's like screw it i might as well just join valak and right. exorcisms create vampires so this is something i actually noticed on my second time uh rewatching the movie uh last night was uh at in the very beginning in the motel scene they're talking about we slay vampires we know vampires are real then uh montoya says yeah and we also know god's real something kind of like a cast off line in that moment. And then, you know, Cardinal here is here at the end saying, I don't know God's real. Right. So it's like a callback to that first sequence, um, which is, I, you know, just a fun little detail. I noticed the second time through. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah. It during. No, it, I, I don't, I really don't like the Cardinal. So, but during this process, so, Montoya's been bit. He's in the car. He, he's kind of passing out. 
Uh, he's about to pass out. We move on. And yeah. we we have the rituals beginning. Uh, we see the Padre on top of the roof. Looks like he's getting ready to, to take an action. And then Montoya kind of pulls out the gun, and he just he makes like three shots, and which would not heat up the barrel um, yeah. enough to where you wouldn't even be able to touch it. And then he cauterizes his wound, apparently, just with the heat of the barrel itself. He's, and that was a little... Uh, this is the second time he's done that, right? Because yeah. when he got when bit, he, right. he also tried to cauterize it with the lighter. He heats... Yeah, he cauterized his wound with the lighter when he got bit. The lighter makes more sense than the gun. It does. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, I don't... So I'm not a big gun enthusiast, or, or I don't go shooting very often. But what... I mean, he's got a gun that's, uh, what, like a semi-auto? It's like a, like a theoretical submachine gun. He empties, yeah. like, I don't know, seven not or eight shots. Point. Not yeah. even, yeah, like ha half a magazine, probably. And, that, and that's definitely not going to heat up the barrel, right? Not to the point where it would cauterize a wound. Yeah. So you, you're talking about, like, a brand. Like, it's hot enough where the steel itself is red and mm -hmm. kind of lit up. And yeah. at that point, you essentially brand your wound closed. Mm -hmm. Um a fire wouldn't do it instantly like unless you have like a log that's been burning for a while and at that point you have to hold it on the wound for a little bit yeah but even then it's it's a little it's a little goof here but you know it suspense of disbelief works for the movie yeah i think it's gaff <laughs> i think it's just designed to show oh look at danny baldwin he's tough he's like coming through pulling out and still like trying to fight keep going which I he has been for the last two days since he got bit. I genuinely feel as the movie goes on, uh, his character is less and less a good actor. Some mm -hmm. of the ways that he delivers lines get worse. Um, some of the things he does just don't... I've watched this movie, I don't know, 20-something times, and I've never believed the cauterizing of the wound with the gun. Like, he barely even right. puts... He doesn't even put the barrel on himself. He puts, like, the... You know where where the the sight is almost yeah up to he, his like, neck. like the iron sights on himself that's yeah, definitely not hot that's definitely not going to be hot so no I think that's Ooh. something really funny to point out Clark I think that's a great point it's just another one of right. those like yep I guess for the movie we'll let it slide but that shit just doesn't work <laughs> I agree with you work. though too on his acting he's he's not he's not a great actor but he's not in a lot of movies he's not in a lot of TV shows he's right. he's a Baldwin brother how many Baldwins are there there's like eight of them. There's a bunch, and only one that matters. So, <laughs> and none of them are bald, and none of them are winning. <laughs> Alec might be. He I'll was on Thirty Rock. That show had a good run. I'll cut. I'll cut that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ah, fuck it. I'll leave it in. Okay. Um, so let's get to the most action-packed part of this movie. Yeah, shall we? Shall we? Yeah. Then we'd have to rewind all the way back to the motel killing scene because the action towards the end of this movie isn't that great. It's not the yeah. most action-packed <laughs> moment of the movie. But it's pretty cool. No. Uh, during yeah. the ritual, we get Father Captain Padre up on the top of a truck. So the so uh, it's Cardinal... What was his name again? Cardinal... I can't remember his name. But the Cardinal is trying to perform the, the ritual. He cuts Jack's... Alba. Alba, thank you. Cardinal he Alba. cuts Jack's Alba. leg... And then presses on the jeans to spill the blood into the cup. And then Valak drinks. 
from it. And then as he's performing it, the Padre aims the shotgun down and just blows the, the Cardinal away, right? Yeah. yeah, and then he's like, you can't complete your ritual, no. <laughs> and Vox's like, fuck you, you're going to complete the ritual. So then he puts but the gun then... under his mouth. Yeah, I mean, that's probably like the best thinking that we get out of any character in the movie is like, how do I stop this ritual? How do I stop this ritual? Oh, let's, let's kill the guy performing it. Boom, great shot. Probably not lethal with that gun from that distance, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then he's like, you'll do the ritual. Psych, I'm going to blow my own head off. It's, you know, better than you succeed or you winning, which, you know, great, great move. And then boy Padre, fuck with him. Great line <laughs> from James Woods there. Um, I mean, that's just like a really, that's when, you know, Padre turns into like more of a hero character. Like we're kind of seeing him transform from like wide-eyed, oh, new, I'm yep. so happy to be here. I've read all about you to like, here I am taking action as oh like part God, of the vampire. Oh my you guys are so station. cool as he pushes up his glasses and then now he's where he taking Kurt off Russell. his glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is Kurt Russell. He's Kurt Russell, the actor at this point. He is Great transformed. Yeah, that's, that's not, not real, Not in real life, but it, he characterizes what Jack Russell would have. And if Jack Russell were to play the Padre, I, I couldn't see him doing it any differently. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Valak goes to then burn Jack Crow's nuts. And uh, uh, James Woods has another great line there. He's like, "Hurt, come on, Padre. He's uh, he, he's my my nuts are getting a little bit toasty here, or whatever he says. Mm-hmm. My and nuts are on fire here. My nuts are on fire. And then uh, all I keep picturing is uh, him playing the character in Small Soldiers. Um, so oh, yeah. so Montoya drives by in the jeep, stands up shoots. as the jeep is driving, shoots the crossbow." perfectly above Jack's head, although he ducks, so I guess he helps him a little bit, and then just yanks that crucifix out of the ground and drags his ragged body down the road for a couple of minutes. That would not be pleasant. Nah, that would, uh, would... He would have one hell of a concussion for sure. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was just like, that movie really set the bar for this movie. It was like, oh, cool, that was... That was really well done. But if you think about it in reality, he'd probably be dead. That cross, the weight of the cross, like, would a cross would have fallen over and then just Jack would be, like, crushed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started thinking about that because I'm like, okay, if you shot it perfectly, got the cross, cool, you're pulling it top down, he's probably mm-hmm. going face down, not back down. Probably. Yeah, we're exactly what, what I was thinking, too. Or yeah. the arrow itself would fall out. I don't think the barbs would be enough. To hold it in there? Yeah. I think the arrow would come out before, unless, yeah. you know, unless it was in there good enough. But, you know, cross falls over. Jack Crow is now free. Mm-hmm. We now have the fight between the two main badasses in the film ready to go. After and 600 the, years, yeah. how's that dick working? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, so as the cross is falling over, the sun's coming up, which is like... So the ritual had to be done by at sunrise. Yep. So... Now, when they're stopping the ritual, the sun's coming up, which turns the tide in their favor because now the vampires can't fight in the daylight. And All then... the masters run. They flee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Valak heads to... It's like a garage, it looks like. Like a repair shop, maybe, in the town. Yeah, something right. like that. And that's where we get that face-off between Crow and Valak. Um, 
And it, it's a, it's an okay fight. There's not really much to talk about other. I mean, well, he stabs Crow with the cross, yeah. and Crow's trying to you like mean Crow touch stabs Valor. Yeah, Crow stabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Valak. Crow stabs Valak. My bad. No, you're good. But he's, he stabs him, and Valak's like trying to pull the cross out, and then Jack just pulls down the ceiling. Yeah, he just like yeah. throws himself into a pre-cut log. It looks like. Yeah, something. I mean. The town's derelict, right? So, like, they're fighting. Valak's like, you can't kill me, Jack. I think he knocks uh, Crow away. And then, like, Crow looks up, sees the sun kind of creeping through, and just kicks down one log that somehow was supporting all of the weight of the roof. And that pops down. And And then all of the sunlight just comes through. You know, little beams don't do anything to Valak. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's it's only... It's got to be direct, big gaping right. hole of sunlight he's uh, apex vampire <laughs> so it's ridiculous oh man the end of this movie is literally the worst i really am not a fan right. of the end of this movie uh i wish they would have done it differently even even now okay so we get past that yay the vampire hunters win so we think yep um but now we get the official montoya katrina love interest right mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't want to kill her He's also Ugh. been bitten. Jack Crow's like, I can't believe you. <laughs> the kiss. You go back to the, the kiss. Ki- there's blood the... all over. Her. It's his blood all over her mouth. And then he just like makes out there. And he like, loves yeah, the way it tastes. Yeah. Maybe wipe her mouth first. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. But when they do, I make out with them. Um, yeah, when they do, I get supremely aroused. <laughs> it's that but damn vampire lore. She's in the sunlight <laughs> with him. She's not a vampire anymore. Because she turned before. And now she's fine. So you're gonna have to say that one more time. So she's in the uh, sunlight great. and she's okay. She's okay, like, but she turned into a vampire earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but he's got her in the shade she... of the jeep, right? Like, do you think there's enough yeah. shade there, kind of like no. the garage idea? No, not in the least. Jeeps are not very good for hiding sun. I think she was in the van. I think they were in the. Oh, big they are van. in the van. You're right. She's in the back so, of the van, completely enclosed, with no sunlight touching her. But even so, there there was definitely it had to be instances of sunlight between. I think he hit her in like the same saloon that Padre hit in at one point, and then like brought her out to the van. There's almost no way that she didn't get at least yeah, some exposure. You ever seen the Lost she's Boys? She's back to normal. She's back <laughs> to normal, man. I, I I believe that, and I believe that they didn't turn. And this is probably the best scene in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of the Wild West. The Padre's like he's been bitten, Jack. He's got the shotgun pointed at him. Yeah, and then uh, Jack Crow steps between them, and he's like, "Padre, chill out, Padre, chill out." And then they they have I really do enjoy the dialogue here, the 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 way they kind of end it with Crow basically talking Padre down from killing Montoya, um, mm-hmm. discussing he asks him you know like how how long ago did she bite you? And he says two mm-hmm. days ago. And he goes, well, I guess that gives you a two day lead. So that's basically how they end that relationship is Jack and Padre are going to go clean up a mess because they got all those masters still in, you know, in the jail cells. So even though Valak's dead, they have to go clean up those vampires. That's why I'm saying I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they are not vampires anymore. It seems like they're they're trying to tell us that they are. But right. yeah, that leaves a lot of questions unanswered with how the hell did they get her into the van without her burning into flames. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't get that at all. The logic doesn't make sense. And, 
she was completely possessed, but then she was back to normal too, which I, that, that alone's like, Oh, she's back to normal. That's kind of what they led the audience to think. And we don't really, I don't know. The bomb. Yeah. Either way, we can give her either that. way. My favorite scene between Jack or Jack Crow yeah. and Padre He's like, hey, did you get a boner when you fought? And he's, he just answers him really quickly. He's like, oh, mahogany, ebony, <laughs> chubby, major tub, major chubby. Major chubby. <laughs> Language, Padre. Are you possessed? <laughs> yeah. And that's the end. They're heading into the jail cells and they're going to take care of business. Um, okay, favorite characters, guys. I want to know. Mimic, you're the guest. Favorite character? Uh, I mean... It's it's got to be James Woods. Like, I mean, I think he does like such a such a good job throughout the movie, being like, you know, just so to the point, like just really strong. I mean, the strong Western hero sort of like he's kind of no no nonsense. I mean, even when he does joke around, it's still like no nonsense. He is, I don't know. I just I'm a fan of his 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 whole shtick even though there's some like weird parts of the movie i just think he does a really good job and without his performance as is obviously you know who knows what a different actor could have done but i think the movie would have been a lot worse and a lot less memorable you know from when i was younger to now right awesome okay clark on three ready one two three padre padre easy yeah. hands down i don't know why i personally i like his character development i, I want to hear more from yeah. you on if there's any other reasons why you think he's your favorite character. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just character development. I think he grew a lot and, and showed really how to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. He, he starts out as a milk toast with, with like no, no discernible backbone to becoming one of the most badass characters in the film at the very end where he's able to, to deal with James Wood's shit at the end of the film and i don't know i agree with you i agree his character development's great and plus his faith like he doesn't question his faith versus kind of the cardinal mm-hmm. right which i'm not a religious man but he sticks to his guns I, I have respect for that awesome cool okay now it's time to get into our fun facts and trivia and uh we are at roughly an hour and 11 minutes record time now but mm-hmm. that'll get trimmed down quite a bit um but I'll try to make this as fast as I can. Uh, some of it we've kind of mentioned or brought up, but I think it's always fun to recap. I currently have six fun facts and trivia. We'll start off with Bruce Campbell as Carpenter's first pick to play Montoya. I think that one's probably my favorite because I like Bruce Campbell a lot, and I think he could have done a lot with that role. <clears throat> but yeah, I think Daniel Baldwin did a great job uh, until the end. And I'm not sure I how the film was shot. Sequentially. I think. No, go ahead. Uh, like, like just cause you know, sometimes we know films are shot in start to finish order. Um, mm-hmm. most times films are shot chopped up and they just right. piece the scenes together. I feel like that's kind of how this one was done. And maybe they shot those end scenes before they shot the rest of the movie. I don't know. Um, but I just felt like he just didn't do as good later on in the movie as he did in the beginning of the movie. I'm, I think Bruce Campbell would have been a much better choice. Uh, Bruce Campbell was actually in, I think, Escape from L.A., um, which is another John Carpenter film. But, no, I definitely think Bruce Campbell would, would have been perfect for the role of, of Montoya. Yeah. I, I feel like Daniel kind of 
He was too much of a Baldwin who didn't do anything other than be a Baldwin. And a damn good Baldwin at that. So uh, Carpenter and Woods had a great chemistry working together. Carpenter would film one scene to script, but then he'd let Woods improvise the next scene. Uh, Carpenter liked what Wood did a lot, uh, what Woods did a lot, so he'd let him uh, improv a lot of his lines in the movie. So um, hats off to those guys for working so well together and giving us right. some really great, fun dialogue. Uh, mm. One of the reasons why Carpenter did this film is because it resembled a Western film to him, and he wanted he's wanted to do a Western you know, for his entire career, basically, is what he was known to say. And uh, this was his chance to kind of do that. He was uh, super excited to be able to do that. Uh, little known fact, this was the only film in the 90s that was financially successful for Carpenter. Everything else he that did was in the my, 90s flopped. That was my favorite fact from all the, the fun facts and trivia section, is that everything else he did sucked, and he was, like, going to give up on directing. Well, not sucked, but was bombed at the box office and he was going to give up on directing and he made this one and i think you know was happy with how his western disguised as a horror movie turned out yeah and it made that was financially successful i haven't looked at the revenue from it but you know kept him around and he made some good movies after that too i so. mean the movie was estimated for budget at 20 million financially successful is i think you you your good guess is double that mm -hmm. so 40 million um but yeah i mean i'd love to go look at at how much it made uh man with the buick fun fact for you about that man clark he was the writer for such things as the walking dead nightmare on elm street 3 the blob the fly 2 tales from the crypt the shawshank redemption and the green mile just to name a few but in this movie, he's just known as the man with the Buick. But it wasn't and it's the not movie. a Buick. <laughs> so I have the uh, cumulative worldwide gross, okay. which was twenty million three hundred thousand. So that how's that successful? I mean, the it made its money back. Gross. It yeah, made three hundred thousand dollars. <clears throat> so to be fair, they it say this budget. is his most. <laughs> Successful but that's the box the office, though. That doesn't doesn't take into account like DVD sales or anything like that. Mm -hmm. sure. Yep. Very fun. Um, and then the last fun fact is just how similar uh, this and Blade were, and that they came out in the same year. Um, in addition, Tim Guinea appears in both films, which is, I believe, Father Adam. That wraps up my fun facts and trivia any other fun facts or trivia that anyone else has uh did this movie give you wood major chub major, major chub but once we got past the motel scene there was no more chubby so i don't know man when uh when montoya kisses katrina at the end there whoo oh yeah that's so i mean just god how can you All not fall in love just ooh. with that beautiful and totally not forced romantic connection between the two of them what a great segue into things that you can hear mimic talk about when he streams so why don't you go ahead and take this time to plug whatever you want to plug it could be anything it could be trees it could be the fires in australia man it's whatever you want <laughs> plug away uh yeah so i met curtis through through, through twitch um and my twitch and youtube channel are both mimic the idiot uh, all one word, no space. Um, just a fun thing to do. Uh, apparently, I plug trees. Uh, 
I like to do some fundraisers, so I've done a couple lately. So I did one for the Team Trees when Mr. Beast was planting all those trees. Raised like $50 for that, which, you know, obviously not anything special at that point. Um, but then for the Australia, I just ran one for firefighting efforts in Australia. We raised $200, which was pretty cool. Um, donating to organizations over there. So I helped donate to that, just saying. Yeah, Curtis helped donate. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's a great time. I hang out there a lot. So if you laughed at anything I said, don't feel obligated to come check me out. Um, <laughs> I hang out there as well. Obligated. I hang out as well. And uh, yeah. you can come chat and hang out with us anytime. Uh, if you go to his YouTube channel, you can also see some videos where we've played Scribble IO. I want to plug that because I think that was a lot of fun. Um, oh, yeah. Some of my favorite videos that Mimic has done. And uh, yeah, like we do that pretty regularly. Um, I want to do we'll it put more. Put a link there. Let's put a link to that video itself too in the the channel, we'll and also we'll link his uh, Twitch channel and his YouTube. Yep, you Twitch, YouTube, out. your Twitter. Um, that specific video we can we can link out. Yeah, I think I mean, link in that specific video has links to everything else I have in there. So beautiful. I mean, cool. Yeah. Um, um, let's I see. I think that's all I got for plugs. Okay, cool. I like it. Keep it simple. Anything well, you that guys you guys so have watched, read, or uh, want to talk about? Anything before Clark's internet dies? Yeah, that's that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> um, real quick, I, I uh, just came back from vacation on the plane ride back from Honduras. I saw Ready or Not, which was like a theoretically horror movie that came out at the end of last year. Girl marries into this wealthy family. Um, they have to play this game. She picks hide and seek. Family then has to kill her for reasons. It was decent, kind of like a mix between um, Your Next and Knives Out. I don't know if you guys saw Knives Out at the end of last year. But you have this you know, rich, bumbling family. A good movie. You should see Knives Out. Um, but Ready or Not, it was definitely like, okay. I don't know if it's to like Prime or stuff yet, to like streaming releases, but definitely worth at least one watch. Sweet. Fun, fun little movie. So. Cut out. It's now on my list. Number one on Curtis's list. Anything from summer. you, Clarkinator? Uh, so I saw the trailer for The Color of Outer Space, which looks to be one of looks to be a good Nicolas Cage film, which is surprising to me. I heard Mandy was pretty good as well. So Nicolas Cage himself is a horror actor. So I want to uh, take a look at that. Maybe we'll and when have I do a see it, I'll mention dedicated it. Nick Cage month. Oof, oof, oof. That would oof. be no. painful. Hey, we have to torture ourselves. I told you this. We have to do bad stuff sometimes. Oof, oof. Um, well, we could watch the vampire movie, which has some of the best overacting ever. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, we should do that one live on cast and stream it. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, this is a great time to plug something that I've seen recently. Uh, Tremors. I got to watch Tremors in theater at the Alamo, and it was phenomenal. Uh, we got little gag. Uh, it was a movie party that they do at Alamo. So if you're not familiar with Alamo in your area, it's a draft house. But basically, there's more and more of these places popping up left and right where they just bring back some of our most beloved films. And they like to put them out there for everyone to watch uh, again. And this movie party uh, came with some some cool like swag. So we got candy cigarettes for every time they're smoking in Tremors. Uh, lighters for every time they're looking for their lighter. Uh, or when they're lighting the dynamite, and then poppers 
like party poppers for every time. Uh, mainly it was for the sh the scene where Reba McIntyre and uh, Bert are in the bunker at their house and they're shooting the tremor on the wall or whatever. And everybody I in the theater that. is just firing off the poppers. The um, Alamo is great, by the way. If you have one near you, this is we're not paid. We're not, we're, we don't get any money from anyone. This is a nope. labor of love. But if yes. you have an Alamo in your area, their events are phenomenal. They're always great. They do The Room. They do a bunch of bad movies. Rocky Horror every them. year? Rocky Horror, yeah, like every three months. Uh, though I do recommend like a dedicated uh, place like to follow a dedicated Rocky Horror troupe if you want to really experience it. Yes. But yes. So Alamo, though, mm -hmm. the one time I went to see Rocky Horror, they brought in Frankie's Fishnets from Tempe, who's a well-known Arizona team uh, that shadow casts the movie, and they were phenomenal. And that's the only way I want to watch that movie now is with Frank Frankie's Fishnets. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie's fishnets are great here in the state of Arizona. I will agree with that. Everyone, want to thank you so much for uh, listening to us. Um, before we head out, we do want to plug our uh, Instagram and our Twitter, which is the uh, number two guys horror pod on both Instagram and Twitter. That is the number two guys horror pod. Also, if you have any feedback for us, if you want to leave a review on whichever platform you listen to us on, we'd really appreciate that. Also, if you have want to talk, reach out to us directly and maybe even get on the show, you can email us at the word to T-W-O, guys and some horror at gmail.com. With that being said, we, we do appreciate you. Uh, Curtis, uh, Mamuk, do you guys have anything else you want to say? No, thanks for having me on, guys. Like I said, I, I love the podcast. I listen all the time. So it was fun. Hopefully I can get on again. Yes. We we'll love having you on. We'll... I'm bringing you back. Oh, Recurring yeah. guest. Hell yeah. The show. Yes. Awesome. Thank 10. you so much, Mimic. Yeah, of course. No, like I said, thank you guys. And see also, you uh, all. guys, if you didn't know this, I, my internet has been turning off and on this whole time. So if you hear any weird cuts, that's because Clark uh, Clark is the gaff bringer. Clark gaffs <laughs> 2020. Remember, you're my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want the peanut? It's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know he sounded awesome. like he sounded like what's his face for a second. Uh, uh, Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant. We'll all be dead. Okay. No more rhymes dead. now. I mean it. Anybody, Anybody want the peanut? peanut?